And I would like to get into the word this morning, read the very first passage of scripture in Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 32. Uh, it says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Heavenly Father, we once again, Lord, we want to approach this time with reverence in our heart, reverence towards you, reverence towards Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the one who's made salvation possible for us. And Lord, we want to approach this time with reverence toward your word. That Lord, your word is truth, your word is holy. And Lord, as we proclaim and as we hear the word at this time, we make room for it in our heart. We thank you, Lord God, that you're speaking to us. We thank you, Lord God, that transformation is taking place in each and every one of our lives. And Lord, we just uh, ask you to speak to us, to teach us, to instruct us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of today's message is Faith in God Equals Faith in His Word. And the message is in the title, and the title is in the message. That's basically the truth that I would like to emphasize today, is that faith in God equals faith in His Word. And, uh, you know, I've got a great concern that uh, many people's lives, and this includes Christians, that many people's lives, the basis of their believing is what they can see and what they experience. But, Frank, God wants us to move from that. You know, there's no, no problem in starting out in that position. But God wants us to move to the position of where the basis of everything we believe is in the Word. The friend where Jesus said, Lord, sanctify them through your truth. And then Jesus said, your word is truth. And so friend, if you're holding a Bible in your hand today, you're holding the truth of God's word in your hand. Not what you're experiencing and not what you can see, feel, taste or touch, but the truth of God's word. And so the subtitle of today's message is to lay a hold of our inheritance in Christ through God's word. Do you know the Bible tells us right here in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it tells us that God's Word is able to build us up. It tells us there that God's Word is able to give us our inheritance. And so I would like to talk to you about the, the agency and the operation of God's Word. Do you know most Christians wouldn't have a problem with the fact or with the truth or with the concept that God is able to give us our inheritance. Uh, things like eternal life, things like healing, things like bringing provision into our lives and, and peace and all of these other wonderful things that belong to us once we are born again. All right, but I suggest to you that many Christians do not understand the concept of God's Word being able to give us the inheritance which belongs to us. And I'm not suggesting that God's Word operates separately from God Himself or that God Himself would operate separately from His Word. You know, we are really talking about an operation here that we need to grasp and that we need to understand. The Bible tells us that as believers, uh, we have an inheritance in God, that we are heirs of God, or joint heirs together with Christ. And uh, God's Word has inherent ability to give us those things that we have inherited through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so let me reiterate some of that stuff and let me really emphasize the point today that if we, we just look to God and we look past His Word, we're not going to experience or get everything that God has determined for us. And, uh, you know, God uses the agency and the operation of His Word to bring His, blessing, His blessings into our lives. And as I said before, that many people sit in churches week after week and, uh, you know, month after month, year after year, and are somehow trying to receive from God and do not understand that the very preaching of the Word is is as it were the basis for it is the written word of God that tells us everything about there is, there is to be known about God, everything that we need to know about where we come from, where we're going, how to connect with God, and uh, you know so much so that in the Old Testament, when uh, during the days of Nehemiah, when the scriptures were opened up and the scroll was unrolled, the Bible tells us that the people stood up in reverence to the preaching of the word and in reverence to the written word. And, you know, I suggest to you today that there is a flippancy about the word today, that there is, you know, like a, a sort of an attitude sometimes, oh, well, you know, it's just, you know, like a friend, we are talking about the written word of God that is the truth 
of God's Word that we need to grasp, that we need to recognize. So God uses the agency and the operation of His Word to bring His blessing into our lives. So friend, if you look past the Word, or if you look at the Word as just a history book, or just a compile, compilation of just some poetry and some, some history and some, a few bits of prophecy and everything else, you've completely missed the boat. You've completely missed the point. And you know, in the early days when we get born again, we don't understand this. We've had an experience with God. Jesus Christ has been made real to us. But can I suggest to you that the very evangelist that comes into town to preach the gospel, to get people saved, this is what he uses as the basis for everything he says and everything he does. The written word of God. And so, you know, there comes a time where sooner or later we need to recognize that God wants to use the agency and the operation of his word to take me to the next level, to bring me into a, a life of blessing, into a life of fruitfulness, into a life of fulfillment. And it is not possible if I look past the word and try to find God elsewhere. Psalm 107 verse 20. It says that God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Isn't it amazing that God is able to send his word which ends up delivering these people and which ends up healing these people. And you know, as I said before, we have no problem with God healing people. But there it tells us that God used his word to heal people. So there's certainly an emphasis on it that we need to grasp and that we need to recognize. This speaks about the people they came out of Egypt and they, they wandered through the wilderness and they were bitten by snakes and there was all sorts of stuff going on. And the Bible said that God sent his word to heal them. And Frank, God has sent his word to, to bless your life. God has sent his word to bring you into, into the full inheritance of whatever belongs to us in Christ Jesus. Message translation puts it very nicely. It says that God spoke the word that healed you. Please notice it doesn't say that God healed them. It says God spoke the word which ended up healing them. And, and the word that pulled them back from the brink of death. And you know, sometimes people who are in dire straits are somehow looking, grasping, trying to, to get a hold of something that will pull them back from the brink of death, something that will, that, will, that will bless them and so forth, and they look past the Word and completely miss the whole thing. Friend, the basis for everything that we need is right here in the Word. It's, it's right there. And... Uh, I have a, a little concern about some of the modern Christianity expression that we find today where, where some of it is sort of expressed through cliches and, and sort of fancy things and where people are beginning to look past the Word. But friend, the only, know, the only way that we know that God exists and what He's all about is through the Word. Yeah. It's right in here. Yeah. And the answer to every question that we, we could ever ask is it's right in the Word. Yeah. Bible says that God spoke the Word that healed them and the word that pulled them back from the brink of death and my friend God's word is able to heal you and to pull you back from the brink of death as it is to me God's word is able to bring provision into your life and into mine and so I'm not trying to separate the word from God but I'm suggesting that God uses the agency of his word to do all of these wonderful things in our lives friend whatever we need from God God's word is always the starting point of the answer to our need. And so if you need anything from God, we should always start with the word. If you want to receive anything from God, you need to find the promise. You need to find the scripture that deals with your need. And that becomes the basis of you approaching God. Because how do you know that God does not answer prayers that are not based on his word? And our whole prayer life should be filled with praying the word. And that's why it is important that uh, every believer learns the word. Otherwise, you can't even participate in a prayer meeting. How do you know what I'm talking about? So it's learning the word and finding out what belongs to us. And finding out, and this is not just about me and about us and about what we can get from God. But the word tells us that we have been bought with a price. We're not even no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus Christ. We have relinquished the rights to our own life when we surrendered our Lord, our, our life to Jesus Christ. When we talk about Jesus Christ about, as Lord, that's what that means. He's the boss. We're no longer the boss of our own lives. It's all in the Word. And so whatever we need from God, God's Word is always the starting point of the answer to our need. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, 
uh, tells us there about a centurion, a Roman soldier, approaching Jesus on behalf of his servant that was lying at the point of death. And uh, this man began to dialogue with Jesus, and he says, uh, he says, my servant is lying at home at the point of death. And, and Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied, and he said in verse 8, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And there is a revelation in there that completely impressed Jesus Christ. He says, man, he says, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. And you know, Israel, who were the people that had heard the preaching of the word, I mean, Old Testament, but still the word, and here's this foreigner, here's this, this Roman soldier who had a revelation that all Jesus needed to do was to speak faith-filled words in the place that he was at right then. And that man's servant who was miles away was able to, you know, was able to receive that healing and be healed. And so there's a revelation there where that Roman soldier understood that God's power was going to be released and would be released into this servant's body as soon as Jesus spoke faith-filled words. Psalm 147, verse 15, it says that God sends out His command to the earth and His word runs very swiftly. I looked at that and I thought, wow, look at that. It says that God's word runs. God's word has seemingly an ability to travel. It seemingly has an ability to run and it runs swiftly. And I'm suggesting to you, that, you know, sometimes we pray for situation and we pray for people. And personally, sometimes I like to get close to people. And, and you know, there is, a, there is, you know, different facets of the truth. You know, sometimes we lay hands on people. And it's very biblical to do that. We anoint people with oil for healing. And, and it's awesome. And sometimes we speak with them and, and so forth. But sometimes we're praying for people that we don't even know. And, and some of them are miles away. They could be in another country, in another continent. But as we speak the word, and I mean faith-filled word, the word around swiftly it is not hindered by time it is not hindered by distance it is not hindered by any barriers or by any boundaries it is only hindered by the limitations that we put on it in our own minds Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 it says for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword you know, sometimes people use phraseology such as, oh man, you know, I meditated in the Word and, and the Word came alive in me. Well, actually, the Word was already alive before you even put it in the Word. We come alive to the Word. Because the Bible tells us here that God's Word is already living. It's already powerful. Now, we have no problem with the concept of God living and God being powerful, but right here tells us that the Word is living and the Word is powerful. Think about that. The operation and the agency of God's Word. It says it is sharper than a two-edged sword. The Amplified Translation says, For the Word that God speaks is alive, it's full of power, making it apt, active, operative, energizing, and effective. And there is a deal there, my friend, that, uh, that every believer soon, sooner or later, preferably sooner rather than later, needs to recognize this that everything we need, it is in the Word and it comes through the Word. And the Word is the basis for everything that we do when we approach God. To ask for anything, to receive for anything, it is the written Word. And tragically, there's people sitting in churches week after week, month after month, hear the preaching of the Word and do not believe that this is the basis. They say, if I see it, I believe it. And if I can experience it, that's my truth. But friend, that is a very, that is a very shallow level of, of living. We've learned years ago that in terms of, uh, of walking by faith, which is what the Bible commands us to do, it says we walk by faith, not by sight. In order to walk by faith, we've got to put the Word of God first place in our lives, over and above what we are experiencing right now. Friends, let not, let's not bring the power of God or, 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 or the power of the Word down to the level of our experience. Let's raise our experiences up to the level where God lives. 
where the Bible says that we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. We might be feeling down the dumps right now, and we might be feeling just so low as can be, but nevertheless, the truth of God's Word doesn't change. It says that we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. I like what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, where it says that God's made us the head and not the tail, to be above only and not beneath. The Word of God has cre God's creative power within itself to save, to heal, to deliver. How do people get saved? Well, they hear the preaching of the Word, or they read God's Word, or somehow they get a hold of God's Word, and, and God's Word gets on the inside of them, and, and through the operation of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not suggesting that it's one or the other. You know, God uses various agencies of the Word and, and His Spirit to, to work together to bring things about, but if we're taking God's Word out of the equation, we can't never, we can't never step into the fullness of what God has for us. It'll be very much a hit and miss sort of a deal. So God's Word has creative power within itself to save. It has creative power within itself to heal. It has creative power within itself to deliver. And uh, it has creative power to, within itself, so when I speak it from a position of faith, it'll go out and it'll, it'll create. And you know, as, as we have already uh, learned, is that God created this whole earth and the whole universe through speaking words. And, 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 and as we've learned is that, you know, God set up a word system. Yeah. The Bible says that everything is upheld through the power of His word or through the word of His power. Yeah. And God created the overall world, the whole universe. And you and I, we create our own world within that. Can I suggest that to a major extent, your world and my world is the result of the words that we have spoken. Yeah. And if we want our world to change, we've got to change the words that we speak. So God's Word has creative power within itself. That must surely be one of the greatest revelations of the 20th century that we can pick up God's Word and speak it. And, you know, circumstances don't care if God Almighty Himself personally speaks that Word or if you pick up God's Word and speak it, circumstances will respond. Demon spirits don't care and can't care whether Jesus personally were to be here in person and cast them out. Or if I say, come out in Jesus' name and speak in God's word, demon spirits don't know the difference. And they, they, can't know, they, they don't care about that difference because in the, at the end of the day, it is God's word which is spoken. God's word causes spiritual growth. Are you in the word? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, and that's not in the outline, but it says, desiring the, 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 the milk of the word that we may grow thereby. So in other words, each time I open the book and I read, or each time I put on my, my, my Walkman or my iPhone, whatever I end up doing, listening to the preaching of the word, I'm growing. That growth is taking place. God's Word feeds our spirit and it renews our minds. And this is just a very small list of everything that God's Word does. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and again, it's not in your outline, but Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so God's Word causes spiritual growth. It feeds our spirit and causes us to grow and to, to, to increase and to get stronger and, uh, and to be able to withstand circumstances and situations and the storms of life that come against us. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. How do you renew your mind? The truth of God's Word. I've said this before, but when we preach and when we read the Word, much of it is correctional in the sense that it corrects our thinking. It corrects our believing. And that's why if we're not teachable, we can't be corrected, which means we're just off. We're just off. And, uh, <laughs> and, and as I say, it's amazing. Like, this is not about that somebody has to get up and rebuke everybody and correct everybody. That's not, this, not what this is all about. But when I'm reading the Word, it's like, oh, oh that's right. I was, just, I was just off and I believe this, but now I, I hear that God's Word says that. And uh, there is no other truth outside of God's Word. We cannot elevate our circumstances and our experiencing experiences, which is all fact. You know, we don't deny that facts exist, but we can't elevate fact to the level of truth. We can't do that. So God's word produces and increases faith. 
Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And uh, once faith is there, when we hear more word, it increases our faith. You know, faith does not come by, by praying for faith. Where The disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. That's not how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. And once we've heard, we need to hear some more. You know, I thought about this the other day. Vanessa and I did our two years of, of Bible school, which was a full-time type situation. And in that Bible school, we heard uh, uh, messages and teaching that w- would equate to 21 years of sitting in church Sunday morning and Sunday evening. 21 years. And then we've been believers for near enough 30 years. And we've, we're always in church. We, we do not believe that we should be somewhere else on a Sunday when the, when the door is open for, in the house and when there's corporate worship that takes place and the preaching of the word. And I'm not taking a, a dig at you if you have to work and on the odd Sunday or something. I'm not talking about it at all. But it, it's just slack to stay home and to not be bothered. It's just slack. And, and, so, and so we got 21 years of, of worth of, uh, of preaching in the Bible school and 30 years worth of this and reading the books, the Bible several times over, reading Christian books and listening to tapes and still I have to hear the word in order for me to be in faith. Otherwise, I'm operating out of memory. And you know, memory is a good thing, but memory alone is not going to put us over. It needs to be the truth of God's Word that is firmly embedded in our heart and that is refreshed on a continual basis of hearing preaching and hearing it again and being reminded of it again in order to operate at a high level of faith. God's Word confirms gifts, callings, and anointings. Do you know, I was just uh, thrilled again. I was just reading over Acts chapter 20, and there in verse 27, Paul the Apostle is speaking to the elders there just before he's, uh, he's off and, and knowing that he was going to be uh, martyred and, 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 and killed. He says, he says to the elders there at Ephesus, he says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. In other words, I've not held nothing back. It says, I've given it to you all. And when I read that scripture years and years ago, just after I got saved, there was just a leaping in my spirit when I read that, and I was so excited. I couldn't explain it initially, but it confirmed the calling and the anointing in my life to preach the Word. And that's why, you know, we get people that are uh, majoring and emphasizing, you know, end-time teachers and this, but God's commanded me to preach the whole council. That's my calling. That's, that's, and that calling was confirmed as I read it in the Word. And we've, we've learned a while ago, when we read the Word, we find ourselves in the Word. You know, Jesus found himself in the Word. And when he stood up in Nazareth and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those to the bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Where is that from? That's from Isaiah chapter 61. That's where Jesus found himself. When Jesus read that, he knew that that spoke about him. And you know, when John the Baptist turned up and says, Who are you? And he says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Isaiah. Where where John the Baptist found himself in the Word. We find ourselves in the Word. And what never ceases to amaze me, and I don't know how to explain it, um, because I don't understand it fully, but it's amazing when we get into our daily reading, and we might only be reading three, four chapters but within those three, four chapters a day, there's something in there that relates to where we are at this present point in time in our relationship with God, where we are in terms of our expression as a believer, where we are with the needs in, in our lives and so forth. And some, something relates to that that will help me to go to the next level. It's, just, it's not like, you know, there's certain passages... Certain promises that are in specific places. They might be in the latter part of the New Testament, but I'm reading my daily reading, say, in the beginning of the New Testament. There's something in there that relates to where I'm at right now. It's just, it just never ceases to amaze me. It's powerful. It's just well, it's supernatural. That's why. It's just absolutely supernatural. You can read through the book of Numbers and uh, just suddenly, wow, look at that. God just spoke to me from the book of Numbers, for goodness sake. Confirms gifts, callings, and anointings. Frank, can I suggest that whatever you're doing right now, whatever whatever you are doing right now, whatever you believe you you know you're gifted for, or you're you're anointed to do whatever, wherever you're functioning right now, the more you're in the Word, the better you're functioning. The more there will be a, a greater anointing. 
And of course, God's word, amongst other things, it activates the angels of God. I wish we had time to get into all of these scriptures, but in Psalm 103, it tells us that God's words, are, or should I say, it tells us that the angels are God's ministers. And it says they hearken to the voice of God's word. And they listen to the voice of God's word. And the angels don't care if God Almighty himself speaks the word or whether you pick up a particular passage of God's written word and speak it, it'll just activate the angels of God. Powerful, very powerful. And the, the, the tragedy is that many people's angels, how do you know that we have at least one angel assigned to every one of us? At least one. And depending on the, on the need in our lives and the calling, there might be more. But many people's angels are just redundant. They're just, they don't know what to do because the person doesn't read and speak and proclaim the word. Don't, don't have your angels unemployed. Don't, don't have them just standing around or sitting around. Get them moving. Get them active. Speak the word. Pick up the word and begin the proclaiming in your life. And this there, there will be a flurry of activity. Isaiah 55 verse 10. God says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and uh, does not return there, but waters the earth and, and makes it to bring forth and, and bud, that it may give seed to the sow and bread to the eater. God says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You know, it's interesting when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples there and, and in John chapter 15, 16, and 17, he's about, to, he's about to go. He knows he's about to be crucified and he's there with his disciples and he's talking to the Father. And his Father, he says, speaking about his disciples, I've given them your word. And praise God for everything he did in terms of praying for people and, and through the gifts of the Spirit and the operation. But the bottom line is, Father, I've given them your word. And if we as disciples don't pick the word up and make that the bottom line in our lives for everything we believe and everything that we, that we, we hope to do, we're going to miss the boat. I just like what uh, uh, Joel Osteen used to do and his son, jo uh, uh, let me start again, John Osteen from Houston, uh, Texas there in the, in, in the largest church in that region there and, and Joel Osteen who has since picked it up. You know, they get up and, uh, and he says, uh, they say, okay, everybody lift up your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. And people say, this is my Bible. Today I will be taught the Word of God and th today I'll be taught the Word of God. And then they say, you know, I believe that I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. What does that do? It teaches people to move away from their experiences and the, and the circumstances to the basis of God's Word. That's what that does. That's, it's designed to do that. And they never miss a Sunday to do that. It's very powerful. So right here, God speaks about rain that comes down in snow. It waters the earth. It causes it to, to bring forth and to bud. And, you know, there's seeds and they spring forth. And those seeds spring up into plants. And those plants bear more seeds. And there is a cycle. Then the water runs off. It goes into the sea and it gets drawn up again. And then it comes back down again. And there's a whole cycle. And God says in the same way, he says, my word does not return to me void. God has sent his word into the earth to do a job. God sent his word to accomplish something. He says, it shall not return to me void. One day the word will be drawn back to God and whoever holds on to the word will be drawn with him. It shall not return to me void. But it, it, the word, shall accomplish what I please. God sent out his word with a specific purpose to accomplish some things. And it says, it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Do you know, God, as I've said already, that God sent his word for a specific purpose and it shall not return to him void. God has sent his word into the earth primarily to be sown into the hearts of men, women, and children, primarily. The word has not been sent to be sitting in, in, in books on the shelf and, or in libraries. Still praise God for books and libraries. We're all for that, and, and it's all necessary. We need to be able to go somewhere to pick the word up and to begin to feed our spirit and to impress the truth of God's word upon our heart so we can bring forth transformation. 
But God hasn't sent the book into the, uh, the, the word into the earth so it floats around in the ether, uh, even, though, even though the word does travel and the word moves and it is very swift to run this before you hear. But primarily, God has sent the word into the earth to be lodged and to be sown into your heart and into my heart. And friend, without the word, people can't even be saved. Because people get saved when they hear the word and faith comes. And they find out that Jesus died on the cross sacrificially for their sins. And if they repent of their sins and they call Jesus as the Lord of their lives, they can be born again. Friend, it's all in the word. That's where it comes from. Yeah. And, and never, everybody say never. Yeah. Right? Never do we get to a place where we move past and beyond the word and we leave it behind. Yeah. And we've seen that. People that were somehow so, you know, charismatic and gifted and everything else, and they moved out past and beyond the word. Friends, as soon as we move out past and beyond the word, we're already in the ditch. The word keeps us on track. It keeps us stable. It keeps us in the truth. Praise God for the operation of, of the Spirit and all of these wonderful things that, that we're experiencing and that we know is, is, is possible and everything that we read in the Word. But the Word of God provides the boundaries of that river of the Spirit of God that flows. It's the Word that provides the boundaries. Otherwise, we're off somewhere. Tragically, uh, some of Vanessa's and my friends that we've known years ago um, and, uh, and people that we've looked up to, people that have inspired us, people that have encouraged us, some of them are just moved out past and beyond the word. I remember years ago, I'll never forget this statement because it made such an impact on me. Um, uh, we were doing a street work out in, in Manus Mall in the city there, just out there, Late, you know, witnessing to people and reaching out, praying with people and so forth. And there was a, 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 a believer there that was all messed up and he was all oppressed and all things were just not very good for him at all. And then somehow my friend and I got talking to him about the word. He says, oh, the word is this. I've moved beyond that. And I thought, what a tragedy. How can you move, move beyond the word? How, how could you even do that? As soon as you move beyond the word, you're moving beyond truth and outside of truth. Tragedy. I know some of that should go without saying that I'm sharing with you today, but friend, it's in the Word. The answer to your issues and problems are in the Word. Search the Word. Find it in the Word. Stand on the Word. And when you go before God, you've got a basis of your faith and you've got a confidence. Frequently I say to God, and this is not to, to change God, but it's to change me. I go before God and I say, God, I have an expectation that you make good your Word in my life. This is not to change God. It's to do something in here. Do you know, or, or a little bit like uh, Mary, Virgin Mary, when she was visited by the angel, and the angel brought, brought God's word into, into her life and told her she was going to be pregnant, though she's still a virgin, has not been with a man, and she says, let it be unto me according to your word. That's a, that's a great confession. Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Whatever your word says, let it happen to me. And uh, we need to know that, that God is a good God, that whatever God wants to do in our lives, it's always good and it's always for our good. God's not trying to sort of sneak in to mess us up and to throw us down and to kick us when we are down. He, God is a good God. God is a good God. It's amazing when Oral Roberts went to Australia many, many years ago. Most people have heard of Oral Roberts. Uh, uh, I guess when I mean, you talk about healing, it's synonymous with Oral Roberts. Uh, TV, he was, Oral Roberts was the first television evangelist. He, he had a tent ministry. Oral Roberts just, just rocked the continent of, of America, and he came to Australia, and he began to preach, and Oral Roberts says that God is a good God. Well, where did he get that from? He got it from the Word. People, preachers, did not believe it. They got angry with him. They nearly killed him. When he had to go and flee, he had to get into his car together with his wife, and they were just getting ready to drive off. He was being swamped by Christian people, and they so much so messed him up and, and shook their car around. They overturned the car. They nearly killed him because he said what God's Word said. But people said, no, 
our belief and our experience and our you know our tradition is that God is not a good God God is an angry God and and you know all of that stuff and when he spoke something that clashed with their belief system though it was in the word they wouldn't accept it and I'm asking you today if your belief system is challenged through something that's proclaimed from the word and it's all plain are you happy to move over or are you will you not move what a tragedy that people sit there and sometimes, you know, like I, I appreciate your comments and, and your nodding and everything else, but sometimes there is a passive rebellion in the pews, a passive rebellion where people hear but refuse to do, where people hear it proclaimed day after day and say, well, it doesn't apply to me. I know what the word says, but, friend, there is no but at the end of that. We are all required to do what the word says, and it is for our good. It shall accomplish what I please, God said, and it shall prosper in the thing unto which I sent it. So God has sent his word into the earth primarily to be sown into the hearts of men, women, and children. How have you know that it is biblical what we're doing right now, that we're in church on the Lord's Day, and that the preaching, it's very scriptural. This is not something, oh, what shall we do? Oh, let's try a bit of this. Let's, no, no, this is scriptural. This is what happens. Uh, this, is the, this, is the, this is about the, the, the kingdom of God and, uh, and hearing the preaching and the teaching of God's word and allowing faith and to be instructed in righteousness. In James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Which is able to save your soul. The Word is able to save your soul. We know that God's able to save us, but here tells us that God's Word is able to save our soul. How amazing is that? God's Word is able. God's Word has inherent ability within itself that through the operation of the Word and the operation of the Spirit of God moving together, salvation happens in people's life. Healing happens in people's life. Breakthrough in the area of provision and who knows what family situation being rearranged through the Word. What are the words that you're speaking today? Do they align with God's word or do they just speak circumstances? Because God's word also tells us, it says uh, in Amos chapter 3 verse 3, God says, can two walk together unless they agree? And ultimately we know what we are experiencing. And this is not about uh, denying the circumstances. Um, we know what we experience, but ultimately we've got to agree with God. And that we say uh, whatever God's word says, even though we don't see it just yet. It's like Pastor Vanessa pointed out this morning that God called Abraham a father before he even had a single, a single child. God said, you're a father. God calls you healed, though you might be experiencing sickness right now. God calls you prosperous, though you might be struggling right now. So what will you agree with? Will you agree with God or will you agree with your circumstances? That I, I've, I've started to, and, and I've, feel that this is very necessary for me again. I, I learned the word, or, uh, the word, not just through study, but through just having it with me in my prayer meetings and just going through the word and I find something and I pray, then going through something else and I pray something else. And I started to, to take the word with me into my prayer meeting because I don't want to just operate out of memory. I need to see it. I want to see it again. I want that word to make an impression through my eye gates, to make an impression on my spirit. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, the implanted word, the engrafted word, one translation says. That the word needs to come from either through the, through the, 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 the reading of the word or through the preaching of the word. The word needs to come and it needs to be implanted into my spirit. It needs to be implanted into my heart. And, you know, we need to recognize that when Jesus taught the parable of the sower, which incidentally is the parable of all parables, Jesus says, if you understand the parable of the sower, it'll unlock all the other parables. So that's a good place to start for studying the parables of Jesus. 
Jesus spoke in that parable of different heart conditions, four to be exact. And he talked to us there about a hard heart that are cluttered with worries and various other issues and lusts that hinder the seed of God's word from germinating and from producing fruit. And as we plow the soil of our heart through repentance, have you know that repentance might sound like an old-fashioned verb, but, but God is still <laughs> hasn't changed his mind about that, that there is no way that one can slide into the kingdom of God and travel along in any distance at all uh, without a thorough repentance. Say, Lord, I repent of my sin. In some quarters, sin is even an old-fashioned verb, but, but not as far as the Bible is concerned. Some of us have been conditioned to some of that modern thinking today where man is basically good and, uh, you know, the, the environment that makes people bad. But I'm suggesting to you that God's word tells us that man is not basically good. There is an inherent flaw of sin in every person, and the environment is the result of man's, uh, man's uh, sin problem. And to change the environment, you need to get the sin out. And there's only one way to get the sin out, and that is through repentance. So as we plow the soil of our heart through repentance and as we lay aside all of these hindering things that Jesus spoke about, hardness of heart, as we lay aside lusts and as we lay aside worries, have you that worry, sitting even in a church and worrying about uh, this, that, and the other, worrying about family, about job, about finances, about this and that can hinder the word from, from being sown into our heart and springing forth. We need to clear the deck. So we make room for the word to be implanted into our hearts towards salvation, toward healing, toward provision, miraculous provision, toward breakthrough in different areas of our lives. Everybody needs something changed in their lives. Everybody needs God's power released somewhere, somehow. Well, somewhere. It's not about somehow. It is released through the word and standing on the word and believing God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 it says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Have you know that God's word penetrates deep into our heart through repetition? And people say, oh, I've heard that before and, and voice that. They basically put a shutter on this thing. It can no longer uh, deeply penetrate into their heart. I don't know about you, but each time when I hear something that I already believe I understand and I'm already walking in, rather than, oh, I heard that before, I say, amen. Yeah. I praise God. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention to what I say. It's not paying attention to come late and to leave early. And sometimes it amazes me. I'm not taking a poke at anybody. I, I see you, but I don't see you. Can you understand that? I, I see you, but I don't see you. I don't register what goes on. But uh, sometimes I register that there is a people that are just breezing in and out and uh, out and having a cup of tea and everything. You're not paying attention to the word. But yet you want your life to change. You know, it's been discovered in the promise keepers, and I'm speaking to man specifically now. It's been discovered, it's been discovered that what men want most is to grow spiritually. But it amazes me that uh, all the men that are saying that, many are not prepared to do the spiritual disciplines of being in the Word on a regular basis and getting themselves into the prayer meeting. How many, how many of you know that we've got a men's prayer meeting on, on Wednesday in the morning, starting at 6.30, finishing around 7.30? And, uh, and, and, and that's been like that for years and years and years. And so I'm asking, where are the men that want to grow spiritually? I'm asking, what are you prepared to do towards your spiritual growth and to get to a level where your, your missus doesn't have to tell you what the Word says, but you know it yourself? Come on. Come on. You want to be the leader and you want to boss everybody around, but you're not prepared to do what the Word says. Come on. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. 
God's word is able to bring forth healing without anybody ever laying hands on you, anointing you with oil. Though these are other methods of bringing healing into our lives. And then it says, guide your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Powerful. This is very powerful. We turned that thing into a song, and I'm not going to sing it now, but my son, it says, attend to, attend to my word. Incline your ears to my saying. Don't let them depart from your eyes. That's where I'm at right now. I recognize that in prayer meetings, I need to see the word. It, it'll just help me. I don't want to operate out of memory. I, I need to see it. Don't let it depart out of your eyes. There's a seeing, and then there's a hearing. Keep it in the midst of your heart. What's in the midst of your heart right now? Is it worry? Is it, uh, is it uh, what is it? What is in the midst of your heart right now? Because to get the word working to, the, to, to its fullest ability, it needs to have the central place in your heart. Keep it in the midst of your heart. And, uh, do you know, it's like uh, our lives are like a, like a house. And there are many rooms in the house. And you know, there is the, there is the room, the, the work room, the business room, there is the, the recreation room, there is the marriage room, there's all of these other rooms. But in the middle of the house, there should be a room, and that's the word room, and out of that, we operate in all of these other areas. Keep it in the midst of your heart. In the midst, not push it off to the side. Oh, I know what the word says, but no, 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 keep it in the midst of your heart. See, God's word is not some secondary optional backwater issue that can be ignored or passed over. In God's mind, His word is the primary way of getting His blessing to us. Psalm 138, verse 2, and this is very powerful. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. God tells us there that, that he has magnified, he has elevated his word even above his own name. And the question is, can we trust in God's word? Is there integrity in the word? Well, yes, there is. Because God has elevated the word even above his own name. So much so that when people say, oh, I know what the word says, but God told me this. God would never do that. God would never say or do anything contrary to his word. God has not moved out past and beyond this word, you understand. God has given us the word and that provides the framework of everything that God does and how he does it. He's elevated his word above his own name. So evidently, God attaches high value to his own word. Are we attaching high value to God's word? Sure, we sing and we say, Lord, you're worthy, and Lord, you're awesome. And so we should. It's necessary and it's important. But let's attach value to the word. God is totally committed to his word and he requires our total commitment to his word to position ourselves for a blessed and a prosperous life our attitude towards God's word determines whether or not we will walk in God's blessings let me say it again our attitude towards the word determines whether or not we will walk in God's blessings Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, For God's divine power has given us all things to pertain to life and godliness. Do you know each time I read that, it tells me, and it lets me know, that anything that I would ever need for my life, for, 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 for godliness, God's already given it to me. Because that's what it tells me here. And those English is my second language. I have learned that when it says that God has given, that that's past tense. So I'm not trying to get something from God that He has not already given me. That God's word has, or that God's divine power has given us past tense all things that pertain to life and godliness. So therefore, it's no good saying, "Oh, I wonder, God, if you're going to give that to me." Well, if it's in the Word, if the Word talks about it, it already belongs to me. 
It is part of that inheritance that, that Jesus bore for us on the cross when he died sacrificially, when he was in, 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 the, in the bowels of the earth for three days and when he rose again on the third day. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and everything that he's done. When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, that means several things. But it means that I've done everything that is necessary for the masses, for people, to step into that inheritance that, uh, that he purchased for us through that action, through, through, that, uh, through that sacrificial death. God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Therefore, in my prayer life, there is never a sense of trying to pry something out from God. There's never a sense, oh, please, God, oh, please. No, there's never a sense of that because I'm simply accessing what has already been made available to me as a believer. Friends, we are king's kids. We are children of the Most High God. You know, it is good to train children well, and uh, in some instances, uh, it is good when kids sort of, sort of, sort of ask, say, can I go into, into the fridge rather than kids roaming around and, you know, helping themselves to any old thing? But, but they don't need to ask uh, to go to the fridge thinking, oh, look, I know, Dad, uh, all the food in, in the fridge is your food. Can I have a little bit of that? No, it's just manners, but they just move in because it, it, it's part of the family property it all belongs to us all there's not this is mine and this is yours and and uh, and and so forth it's just it's just all right there the kids say oh can I sit on your couch dad it's our couch you can sit on the couch <laughs> oh but of course it's like oh they cannot drive your car so um mm, mm, uh. <laughs> But you understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Healing already belongs to you. It's not something that you have to try to pry out of God. Abundant provision has already been made available to you. All we have to do now is receive. You see, when Paul came into, into, uh, into one place in Acts chapter 19, and he found certain disciples there, and he said to, said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? He didn't say, have you asked for the Holy Spirit? He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, made available to all believers. So therefore, in terms of being technical about it, we no longer have to ask for it. Though in prayer, we still say, Lord, I'm asking you to baptize me. It's not something, oh God, will you or won't you? It's like, Lord, I'm accessing that which rightfully belongs to me as a believer. People say, I would never talk to God like that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I want to take it very humbly. And I, I, just, I, just, I just, you know, I don't assume that God will give me anything. Well, actually, that's false humility. Because true humility is to believe what God says in His Word. That's true humility. That's why religious folk hate the way we speak right now, because it upsets religious people, because religious people always want to deny you that which God has already given us. So he's already given us all things that pertain to life through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So again, uh, it says that God has already given us all things that we need for life and godliness. God's already given us exceedingly great and precious promises. And it is through His promises, let me state, through the written word, it is through these promises that we can partake of God's nature and of His... Mess, uh, of His uh, go back again, I just got muddled up. Uh, partake of God's nature and His blessings. In the message translation, it puts it this way. It says that we were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. The promises are our ticket to approach God and to receive. See, if I go down now to the, to, to the picture theaters there and I purchased a ticket uh, for a movie that runs, uh, say, in a week's time, at a, at a certain time, once I got my ticket, uh, I, I'm no longer going to go there and say, oh, will you let me in? Because, uh, 
<laughs> I got the ticket. So you know, good saying, God, will you give me this? He's giving me the ticket. I have the ticket. The word is my ticket. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, and we're going to wrap up very shortly. The book of the law, it's God's word, the written word, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What are you speaking? Have you filled your mouth with God's word? Because that's the next step. You know, once we receive the word, the next step is to speak it. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. How do you meditate in the book? Speaking it. Each time you see it, you speak it again. You know, Eastern religion has muddled up our understanding of uh, meditation. We're not talking meditation according to Eastern religion. We're talking about biblical meditation. How do you do that? Speaking, mumbling, whispering, uh, murmuring. I went to bed last night before last, and I was really meditating in uh, in uh, in. Um, In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where it says, But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I was just whispering that word uh, just loud enough so I could hear it, but my wife couldn't hear it. But she reckons now she might have heard something. And so I'm just meditating, I'm just whispering that word. And I went over it and over it. And I put different emphasis on different parts of that sentence and everything else. And I woke up with a, with a sense of, My God shall supply all my needs. Suddenly there was a knowing, a fresh knowing and a fresh revelation and a, and a fresh confidence that I didn't have the night before uh, or during the previous day. That, how many of you know that there's always layers and levels? The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. How many of you know that it's not just about speaking the word, we need to be doers of the word for it to really work in our lives? Because uh, if we don't act on the word, it's dead faith. James tells us that. That you may observe to do according to all, all, all that is written therein. If you've got a pen in your hand, underline the word all. We can't be favorite scripture Christians. I'll do this, but not do that. All that is written therein for then. Circle the word then. The whole promise here. Is is is, uh, is is as it were uh, brought to pass? It says, "Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Prosperity is not just about finances. Prosperity is about having a, a happy marriage, having a, a peaceful home. Prosperity when somebody starts studying and they get to the other side and they complete their studies, that's a part of prosperity. When I go and, and, and endeavor to fix my car and I get it fixed, that's prosperity. When, when I, when I uh, uh, go and, and start something and it comes off well, that's prosperity. Prosperity goes beyond finances, though, though uh, financial prosperity is included in that, but it goes, it, it goes beyond that and, it, and, and it, it's broader than that. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Then. Then, he says, if you speak the word, if you meditate in it day and night, rather than thinking about your worries, rather than thinking about what you haven't got, meditate in the word and find out what you got. Find out what belongs to you. Find out the, 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 the legal, the legal um, uh, you know, the, the word is a legal document. And, and lawyers, you know, in courts, they will just pour over this legal document and at the end of the day, whatever, whatever that thing says, that's how it goes. Well, the Word says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How can you say that God doesn't do anything for you? Say, oh, oh but, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that, that, that we, are, we are the head and not the tail, that we are above, only not beneath. And how can you say, oh, God just pushed me down? God doesn't push people down. God elevates people. God is the lifter. The devil is the one that oppress, oppress, depress. Depression is 
You know, when you, when you take something and you squeeze it right down and everything is depressed and, and the devil depresses people and, and sometimes their own thoughts depress them. So you've got to change your thoughts. How are we doing this morning? Are we doing all right? Yeah. Praise God. The Word. The answer to the challenges that you're facing, it's in the Word. It's in the Word. That's where it is. And, and if we care to search the Scriptures and find the answer, that becomes the starting point towards a confidence in God that when we go before Him, we can receive that which He has promised. How do you know that faith is confidence and confidence is faith? And when we say we believe God, we can only say we believe God when we believe the Word. And if we don't believe the Word, we're not believing God either. That was the sum total of today's message. If we don't believe the Word, we're not believing God. But if we believe the Word, we believe in God. And to believe God means to believe the Word. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to thank you again for the preaching of your Word, the proclamation of the truth. I thank you, Father, that our minds are being renewed. I thank you, Lord God, that every lie is exposed and challenged and overcome by the truth of your Word. I thank you, Father God, that imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God are cast down at the preaching of your Word. We embrace your Word, Father. We choose to be people of your Word. We are Word people. And so, Lord, right now, we make a fresh commitment to feed off of your word. Lord, we make a, a fresh commitment to, to value your word, to, to honor your word. Not just honor you, but to honor your word. And, Father, I thank you for all of these dear people here today in this auditorium. I thank you for every man, for every woman, every child. I thank you, Father, Lord, for turning this preaching today into a great revelation in each and every one of our hearts that we can truly see how you see it. And Father, we commit to you, Lord, that we're doers of the word and not hearers only. That, Lord, you said then we will be blessed and then we will make our way prosperous. Then we will have good success. I thank you, Lord God, for prosperity in marriages that are represented here today. Prosperity in homes that are represented here today. Prosperity in businesses. Pr prosperity in, in other relationships. Prosperity in various issues in our lives. Lord, as we put God's word first place in our lives, as we speak it and as we do it. And I thank you, Father, Lord, for a revelation of that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.